From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MVW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome to this Monday edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parm and Zachary Berry here with uh, with me today. Our uh, our schedule this week is we don't really necessarily have a schedule. We're recording this on Sunday night. It is the Monday podcast. Neil will be back in studio with me on Monday afternoon. We're going to talk to Taylor Zarzer, uh, golf, college football with uh, with Taylor there on Monday. That'll be Tuesday's show. We'll have a live stream for that. So we'll let you know. We're just we're, we're playing with some different times. We'll probably do another Thursday night show. That one went pretty well on Thursday. So we'll uh we'll have that to you. But for uh for tonight, this morning, whenever you're listening to it, Zach and myself will try to entertain you here again about eight o'clock on Sunday night as we're recording this, the Oxford Exxon on Highway Six West. You can go in, you can or he actually going in is a problem right now, but use the Speed Pass Plus app. Make the uh, the fuel purchase without having to touch as little as possible. That'll help you out. You go next door to the Oxford Crystal. You can use the drive through You can put your name in the fishbowl. Late August, April, they're going to uh, draw out one name at each Crystal location that's associated with what a combo in Mississippi. Free Crystal for a year when you do that. Also, I'm in the, uh, the remote Clark Ford studio, 662-257-1900. Let Corey be your truck guy. Let him be your car guy. He'll take care of you. You know, you get quotes within 15 minutes. You know, he gives you great service including even picking your uh, vehicle up. And right now, if you want to purchase one, hey, he'll come uh, do it from a social distancing standpoint. They'll do things over the phone. They'll take care of you if you're in the car buying business right now with Clark Ford. And then Zach, I guess, technically is on the, is on the Raptors Music and Food Hotline. They uh, have really been trying to help out the community. So when they uh, open back up, when things get back to normal, help them out. Choose Raptors there on the square in Oxford. Zach, it is a gloomy Sunday here in Mississippi. I know it is where you are too. It has rained all day. There's been tornadoes, uh, thoughts with everybody associated with those. I know Bassfield got hit. Some different places uh, a little south of us in Mississippi was uh, was affected by tornadoes today. Instead, though, I lost power for two hours today. And I'll tell you, it was the only time this week where I went, thank God there isn't a Masters, because I was watching the, the, uh, the, the Tiger Woods 2019 thing. CBS did a really good job. They they showed a replay of the of the 2019 Masters and then had Tiger come in and do commentary with Nance during key moments of of it. But it would have been, I'm assuming they would have been on about 13 when uh, my power would have gone out for almost two hours today. That would have been a major problem if that thing were live. Well, weather uh, concerns with cable or streaming service that's just a tradition unlike any other during the masters right <sighs> i mean last year with the early sunday that was uh that was quite the scene where i was well was. you know that worked out really well for me last year because I, I told you i think i was covering a baseball game so i just sat in the back of the press box and watched the masters for like three and a half hours i have no idea if Ole Miss won or lost or if they even played a game that day it was it was a lot of fun uh me and uh, a couple buddies were texting about it today, and you know, obviously simpler times a year ago uh, when we were watching Tiger, when the Masters, kind of the return to glory, as Jim Nance said on the telecast that uh, that that highlight is has been you know going around the internet and and cable television all day today. Uh, it was it was a ton of fun. I mean, we we got over to uh, a buddy of mine's got a tricked out basement with a huge screen, and we. 
we went all out with brunch food, cocktails. You know, he has a, a kegerator over there with, te- you know, draft beer. And, you know, we basically made a morning into afternoon of it. And uh, it was it was a lot of fun. And, you know, I had some friends telling me, you know, it was once it became evident that Tiger was going to win, you, you still didn't believe it until he put the ball in the cup and picked it up and did the double fist pump where it was, you know, that, that was, that was, that was, that was where the moment where it was like, man, that was, that was so awesome. And he had finally done it. But then for me, it was, you know, walking through the gallery, going to meet his family and like his son being there. Like that was, you could, you could see like the genuine excitement on Tiger's face where it really resonated that that was a, probably the biggest moment of his career uh, for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I know not everybody's a golf fan that's listening to the podcast. We're going to just kind of pardon us for a little bit today because uh, it, it is it's a it's it's a holiday. It is a it's sort of a rite of spring in a way for for for, for Masters Sunday for for sports fans for golf fans because it's it's not even necessarily about the event even though it is about the event. It's about okay, you know, it's it's the start. It's everything's kind of blooming and it's whatever and it's it is. There's a lot of tradition. I mean, it you know kind of it reminds everybody of. Hey, if you're a golf person, you know when did you watch that with your dad? When did you do this? There's just so many kind of memories associated with it. And then with Tiger last year, that's what we've talked about. I mean, in some ways, and I mean, I hate to even make this comparison, but we always mention that you know we couldn't, we we, we can't do fame and fortune with every athlete. We don't understand that. We're, we're not, not all of us are, hardly any of us are in that that that, that means from a category standpoint. But a lot like you know some of the powerful stuff that come out of Kobe Bryant's death was, hey, you was just a guy going to a a game with his daughter, you know what I mean, to, to coach his kid. With Tiger, it's very similar. It was a it was a parent child moment. It was a redemption moment. I mean, we, we've all been through stuff. We've all had low points and said, "Hey, or how are we going to come out of this? How are we going to be better on the other side?" And that's what makes Tiger relatable at this point of his career, especially is he's a dude who was a robot for so much of his career, and now he's a human, and that's pretty cool because I wasn't necessarily a Tiger guy growing up. I was a Phil guy. I was left-handed. Phil at least hit golf balls left-handed. That was my dude, but Tiger now is very, very palatable. He He's... He's a guy that I hope he does break Jack's record. I hope he finds a way to three more majors to at least tie it. I mean, it's it's a it, it, it's a human story at this point. As I was watching it today, and I'm sitting here, and I thought, this thing's a year old. I know exactly how it ends. I, I can tell you every shot, including you know the almost hole in one on 16 and the whole deal. But I'm kind of getting emotional, and I see him hug Charlie after it's over. And you know, I watch more today. And, I, and Jim Jim Nance asked Tiger about this. He said, you know, you, everybody talks about Charlie, but you hug Sam too, his daughter. And Tiger said, "Yeah, she hates the the limelight. She hates being being in the in, in the news or anything, or however he put it. And you can see when he hugs her, he kind of shields her. He sort of moves his body in front of the cameras. He kind of keeps her hidden a little bit. I thought that was cool. And then everybody talks about his dad back in '97. Tiger pointed out today, hey, mom was there both times. I gave her the exact same hug, kind of said the same things to her. So, yeah, there was a lot of symmetry sort of in that whole thing there at the end. And then as much as Jim Nance gets crap for a lot of stuff that he does, and look, I mean, his his sayings when this thing's over, I mean, he's, he's taken shots over the years. He's had some really corny stuff. His ability to shut up, stay quiet for probably two, two and a half minutes and just let that scene unfold – it's probably the best broadcasting he's ever done, and I don't mean that in a in, in a funny way. Jim is probably the best at it. Vern is is not. Well, I don't know. I guess it depends on who you ask. I, I was going to say Vern is not known for being a golf commentator. He's more known for SEC football and 
and just college football in general, but he's been doing golf for so long. But another another broadcaster who has been so or who was so good at doing that when talking about just knowing when to be quiet and to just one line kill it and then let the moment kind of take over um, was the late Keith Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I still get chills to the day of the Rose Bowl when he just says he's got it when Vince Young runs in, and that's all he says. And then it's just crowd noise, and it's it's just you know live players on the field. You know when they go down to field level cameras. I mean that that kind of thing is is what makes you know guys like Jim Nance, Keith Jackson, Vern Lundquist. Um, I, what's that? Mike Breen in the NBA is really good at it. I mean it's just a ton of guys that that really know. It's kind of like interviewers when they ask a question, and then they just tack onto the question and keep going and keep going. I saw an interview. Um, it was since we're talking about golf that the no laying up guys were interviewing um, Paul Feinbaum, and they asked him about you know interviewing and and you know any tips that he had, and he was talking about that exact same thing where he was like, "Well, a good interviewer is 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 going to shut up and is going to listen, where you ask a question and then you stop and you let the subject." respond and um yeah nance is probably one of the best and golf leaves a lot of dead air so that's a little bit easier but um but yeah that that was a cool moment when he at 2019 and when he just kind of stopped and you you let the the gallery kind of fill the the dead air is was pretty iconic it's golf and baseball that you can do it so well, and then you can also be so obvious if you screw it up. You know what I mean? Like, because mm-hmm. in, in baseball, you're also trying to figure out that, hey, how much dead air am I feeling? How much do I just kind of let the the sounds and the, the the game play out in front of me? And golf's like that. I mean, it's always a running joke. You know, we want to hear caddies and golfers talk, and you've got several several commentators that just talk over it every time. They can't find a way to shut up. But no, Nance, especially at the Masters, for whatever reason, does a does a heck of a job. But yeah, today was. Today was interesting. It was uh, I, all week. I kind of I didn't forget it was Masters week, but I'd been watching a ton of replays. I'd kind of been just doing Masters stuff anyway for like ten days, and today was the first day it kind of hit me, and I was like, "Damn, this would th- this would have been cool today. This was good." And I'm just going, "Hey, please, please just have this thing in November. Just please do it. Like, 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 just I, I, like Nance signed off today with, "Hey guys, we'll see you in November." And I'm like, "I got God, I hope so, because if not, this this mm-hmm. is going to be a problem for a year. So we'll see, but." Yeah, I, I'm in a group text with a bunch of guys, and we all play golf. And this morning, the uh, first text, uh, somebody said, Happy Masters Sunday, and um, somebody immediately removed the guy from the group. Uh, <laughs> I think I think it triggered everybody because everybody was like, ah, like we forgot. And um, Have you have you ever been to the Masters or been to Augusta? <clears throat> I actually have not, no. Oh, man. I finally went um, 2018. And it was just a blast, like just um, going there. We we got lucky with an Airbnb. I, I believe the young lady that we rented from, or I guess you know whatever Airbnb. I think it, I think it was her first time because she gave us a hell of a deal, and I don't think she knew what she had because her house was pretty close to the course. And I mean, it's great. You go in. You we went straight to the pro shop and you know, went to that madhouse and got a bunch of swag. And then, man, you, you, however many bags you got, they, they have a locker for you. Mm -hmm. You turn it in, they give you a little, you know, um, I don't even remember what it was, like a little token or just something where it's basically like you check your luggage 
and you just you, so you don't have to carry your stuff around all day. And I mean, you know, just walking around and I mean, we went for the practice round, but we followed Tiger, JT and and Tom Watson all day and that was a ton of fun and it, it's it's kind of one of those places where where you know, you go to like a really nice museum or uh, you know, a kind of a national monument where it's kind of when you're walking around, you don't want to touch anything. You don't want to, you don't want to lean on something or sit, sit something down. Like everything is so pristine. Like even, even just walking through like the pine needles, you feel like you're disrupting just the, you know, just the whole flow of everything. But that was a ton of fun. And then, you know, the, the classic tradition of, um, going to the Hooters in Augusta, and they have the Big Ten outside, and John mm-hmm. Daly's, you know, RV's out there, and he's he's doing Sweet Caroline karaoke. Um, that, that was a load of fun. And full disclosure, we only went to Hooters because that we wanted to see John Daly sing, and we knew they would have the national championship game on for college basketball. Um, but all jokes aside, it was it was a ton of fun. I highly recommend it just to go at least once and and just. It's probably not a major that I would go to multiple times, um, which is weird to say because it's so it's such a big deal. But like that one time, like the first time was kind of perfect, and um, I'd kind of like to venture out and do another major. But it was it was a ton of fun. Do you have a favorite Masters before I move on? Uh, I mean the Open is so cool just because the elements are no, such no, no. a factor. Out of the Masters, do you have a favorite year? Oh, out of the Masters. Um, I mean, '97 was a lot of fun. Um, I, I don't know. Last year was just, and that, that that might seem like a cop out, but I mean, last year was just a ton of fun. I mean, we were the place that when I talked about my buddy's basement. I mean, everybody in there, like it wasn't like a, you know, the dudes were paying attention, and you know the ladies and whoever else there didn't care about golf was, was kind of socializing. You know, like everybody there was glued in. It was kind of, everybody was in on tiger winning because, you know, going over there on that Sunday was all right. Tigers, tigers there. Like this is, he's got a shot. And that, that made it so cool because, you know, everybody was, was hanging on the edge of their seat. Um, I mean, 2005 was great. I mean, obviously with the chip and, and I mean, that's just like, oh, we, I was watching that, that replay of that chip the other day. And I mean, the jokes about how like, it's a perfect Nike ad with how the ball drops into the hole and how it just hesitates and the Nike swoosh is right there. But outside of Tiger almost screwing up the high five after he, after the ball fell in the hole. He bogeyed 17 um, and 18 too. Yeah. Everybody forgets that. And how, like, it was... I mean, DeMarco just, had know, it on his club. I mean, his chip hit the hole. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... Um, I was talking to uh, one of my buddies the other, when we were talking about it, and I was like, man, DeMarco, you know, almost stole the show because everybody remembers the chip, and it's just kind of like, oh, you know, he, he made that, and he won. And it was like, no, no, it wasn't like he ran away with it. So, um, yeah, I mean, 2005 was... was was probably a close second. I would say last year was probably my favorite. Um, but yeah, 2005, like pre-injury, pre-drama, you know, all the rehab and all that. I mean, that was when he was, I mean, if you go back and watch, you know, they have super cuts on YouTube of every shot from his final round. And 
the way he was the ball striking the ball shaping everything was just just you know the 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 goat i mean it was fun to watch somebody that's that good at something i don't know why something about oh five when i rewatch it because like I said, i've been so buried in masters replays the last two weeks or so it's it's maybe the other than kenny perry in oh nine it's maybe the Masters of the Golf Tournament I watch where I want someone else to actually win. I, I end up finding myself rooting for DeMarco the entire back nine for some reason, just for him to get one. <laughs> I, I have no idea why. I, it's not an anti-Tiger thing or whatever. But other than Kenny Perry, because that's just painful in 09 watching him lose on Hill Cabrera, I think for some reason DeMarco winning that is why. I, it's just, I, I do. I, in my head, I'm going, hey, just make the putt this time. Make this. Do this. Just get, 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 <laughs> yeah. get, get a major here. I don't know. So. Yeah, ninety-seven I, is a good watch just for the fashion alone. Oh God! I mean, it was happening like, the other night. It was happening the other night when Neil and I were watching it during the uh, the, the hand raised guys or podcast or whatever we're doing. But yeah, the, the, it, it was so uncomfortable. And I mean, what I mean by that is, if I was playing golf in those clothes, I would be uncomfortable. From the pleated pants to the incredibly baggy cotton polos, the whole deal. You're just like, dude, if it's eighty-five, you're going to be scalding out there because there's so much fabric. Yeah, that's I'm I'm a big Nike guy and Nike golf polos are just top notch. I love them. They fit great. Like but the the most important thing is when you're playing golf in most time m- more times than not, it is very very hot. It is just super comfortable cuz yeah, it's, you know, 9900 degrees outside, but you're you're wicking away sweat and it's it's breathable and you're and you're fine, but yeah, those old tiger the old tiger logo polos, I mean those things are so thick, and those and I feel like the collars, when you got the polo, the collars were super stretched out, to where y- you might as well just just you know, go Harry Higgs and just full you know all buttons down <laughs> because it's already stretched out, but. Yeah, the yeah ninety. The it's late a reference 90s, nobody on our podcast is going to get, but it cracked me up. Oh man, Harry, Harry Higgs, great guy. Shout out to him. He, uh, we saw him at Waste Management, and he was uh, just walking around through the common folk, and um, we were probably the only people that would have ever picked him out. But uh, nice guy. That's great. That is hilarious. So, when do you think? Uh, last thing, when do you think golf's going to start back? Um, I still think there is a PGA Tour event in June. Yeah, I would. I would say late summer and I guess I just just feel like it's probably going to be late summer Um, I mean it makes the most sense it's the one sport that can feasibly go on without fans right except what the the biggest problem and I told Neil this the other day is the international travel that is involved with it yeah. Because it's not like it's talk- just Americans. Right. And we talked about that the other day where if one heavy hitter says no, they're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, I I keep hearing more and more optimism. Not just golf. Not I mean, just sports in general. No, just society, general. sports in general. Yeah. Like, I just I feel like more and more people are thinking things are going to some semblance of normalcy, July, August. Um you, I, I mean, you, you guys talk about it every day on the show. I mean, you've seen more and more national guys speak up about college football. 
where it's maybe not on time, but it's going to happen. Yeah, and I think um, what we got to get to, and this is we saw this in the message board today. Again, we're recording on Sunday night. Is I'm I'm getting annoyed, and this is a media thing. This is it's a fear thing. I'm getting really annoyed by the deal where just because somebody is putting a contingency plan in place or that something, some worst case scenario is at least being discussed because everything should be discussed, that we immediately panic and go, oh my God, that's what's about going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, mm. there are lots of options here. Just because somebody, like, like it was Boston University, I think, today, hey, yeah. what if they don't start back till January of 2021? Well, yeah, that was one of like seven things that they were discussing. We're, 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 we're not using our brains very well right now. We're, we're not being logical or whatever. We're making a lot of decisions but just we're wasting a lot of time dwelling on worst case scenarios as a society right now took a break in the podcast today to tell you about community mortgage oxford memphis settle county and chattanooga underwriting and processing is done in memphis are getting local underwriting and understand your market a leader in condo financing and the float down options you can find jason at 662-234-2704 or j-l-o-w-e at community mtg.com also brought to you by specialty orthopedic group the big thing with them, they are open in Tupelo and Oxford. You can skip the ER for urgent ortho-related injuries at both locations. Also offering virtual health telemedicine. Patients have direct access to all SOG physicians and nurse practitioners. Also 24-hour access to appointments at 662-767-4200 or SOGMS.com. No referrals are needed. And walk-ins are welcome there with Special Orthopedic Group. Again, Oxford and Tupelo locations are open. Podcast also brought to you by G&M Pharmacy and Tyson Drugs. G&M on South Lamar and Oxford, but the big deal right now, they deliver locally in the Oxford area to your home or workplace. They take care of you during this COVID-19 pandemic. Also, uh, they offer MedSync to fill your prescriptions the same day every month. Make the trip says, uh, as infrequent as possible. Limit exposure and help you out. GNM 662-236-2222. Podcast is also brought to you by In-House Interior and Design with Nikki and Ashley. You have more than 30 years of combined experience in their field. You can have a number right now. You can text or call 662-681-6241. You're home a lot. Maybe you see something around the house that you want to get done now or at a later time when it is a little more possible with everything going on. They have full contractor crews available when that time comes. They offer free client or, uh, they offer free client gifts too for first-time clients. And uh, they have dorm room appointments. Hopefully we are started back in the fall for that. So take advantage of that and much more. 662-681-6241 is the phone number. Again, to call or text. They're with in-house interior and design. And finally, but not the least, the podcast is brought to you by Visit Oxford. VisitOxfordMS.com is the website. Go there. See how to support Oxford during COVID-19. You can see all your options for delivery, for curbside uh, restaurants, for services. They have lists for that, as well as uh, how to help the hospitality in- industry during this time, including tip roulette. They have information on that and more. Click the tab at the very top of the page. Again, how to support Oxford during COVID-19. That's VisitOxfordMS.com. Right, and... I, I don't know if that's a defense mechanism for a lot of people. Um, expect the worst and then be happy when it's not. Right, yeah, yeah. Ex- expect the worst, or, or I guess prepare for the worst, um, pray for the best kind of deal. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, I just think that whether or not they come up with uh, a, a vaccine or some kind of remedy for, for coronavirus, I mean, I, I think – Sports are going to come back at some point just because I think the curve is going to flatten 
it's everywhere at some point. And I, I mean, there are states like California is as big as California. I mean, they're they're starting to flatten. Um, I know a lot of people locally here in Nashville are expecting things to kind of flatten out, and they don't think it's going to be as bad as as it was at you know at one point anticipated to be. And so I don't know. It's golf is probably the one sport that I think will come back the quickest. And yeah, I mean, I'm with you there. Like June, July, and I mean the 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 schedule they put out for the Masters or, or not the Masters, but for I guess the major tournaments that are um, left on I, I guess this year. I mean, it was a pretty pretty loaded slate. I'm trying to find it here. It was. Uh, well, I think their first event right now is still scheduled for May. Nobody necessarily expects has to happen, but they haven't canceled one of the tournaments. Maybe it's the Charles Schwab. Um, okay. Late May. I, yeah, Golf Digest put out like an updated notable event schedule, um, and this was, I guess, back earlier. Yeah, this was April sixth, uh, PGA Championship, August sixth through ninth mm-hmm. at uh, Harding Park. And then Sorry, U.S. Open September seventeenth yeah. through twentieth at Wingfoot. And I don't Ryder- expect that to happen. I still think they're going to end up going West Coast for the Open. But anyway, carry on. Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, that's probably. Um, I remember y'all talking about that. That 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 makes sense to move it out there, um, because New York is just. I mean, oh, that's a. Who knows what's going to happen with that in the next couple weeks? But Ryder Cup September twenty fifth through twenty seventh at Whistling Straits, and then the Masters in November. Right. Um, I don't know if you saw that. Uh, <laughs> the guys at No Lane Up were doing, were doing a deep dive, and uh, they were really getting bored. I guess. They did a overhead aerial view of Augusta National in November, and they were like, "Oh yeah, it actually is pretty green, so it may not be that bad." No, it looked pristine because um, the rye overseeds by that point, um, and it's it, it's nice. Yeah, it looks good. I mean, you have like some fall foliage stuff going on, but otherwise, the biggest problem, and it's not as big of a deal with the Masters because they have a smaller field, is just the the, the lack of daylight. And potentially right. temperatures, it could be cold. Um, but yeah, no, like again, I mean, I'm not necessarily trying to do golf on a whole podcast, but it's sports in general. I mean, you need golf to get going for other things to get going. I think it's it is pretty obvious that it's one of the first ones at least could could happen. And look, I'm reading into this, so take this with a complete grain of salt. I got a little nervous when Tiger today with Nance mentioned months before they started back, and then um, Justin Thomas was on. Uh, Scott Van Pelt's podcast and he mentioned something like hey I've got us all this time and I thought they're probably just talking but I don't necessarily like two of the top 10 players in the world mentioning that we're that far away from getting back to it so again I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of reading into it a little bit but I, I did my ears sort of perked up both times I heard those uh those guys say that so we'll see I don't yeah. know. by the way Scott um, Van Pelt's podcast is incredible for anybody who's looking for more things to listen to he's he's fantastic as 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 he is with most things oh, yeah. but his pod's good um yeah I was I was gonna say SVP is good at at many things that's yeah. a shocker whatever he chooses to do he's usually pretty uh pretty <laughs> good about this so you uh you, you threw a baseball topic at me before we started the show um we haven't talked a whole lot of baseball on the podcast so far here in the can uh the last can week I or ask two you- can I ask you one last golf thing? Uh, Just because I sure I want to I want to hear your take because we had talked about it before. Um, who do you think moving the Masters to November benefits the most? And I guess who do you think it hurts the most? It benefits Tiger because I don't I, I still don't believe he was healthy for now. 
Um, I think it gives him time to get healthy. Now, look, those temperatures are down. Who knows what his back's going to do? Plus, with Tiger, that's playing a ton in a short period of time. So, I don't know. Um, look, this is going to sound crazy because he's been good all the time. I think it helps Rory. He plays really good in the fall, really well in the fall. Um, he, he's, a, he's a good second half of the year player. And I think something about the change in schedule, but the way he's put so much pressure on himself to complete this Grand Slam, is when you make the Masters sort of the last event of the year instead of the first in a way, I think mentally that's a that, that's a positive for Rory. So I think it helps him as well. I, I think Tiger and Rory are the two that, that, that could significantly benefit from the, from the change. I'll throw another one out there. Uh, JT, I think it helps him. I, I saw a tweet from Joe Beal today. Uh, he said, this is a good time to mention nine of JT's 13 career wins have come in August, September, October, and November. So I'm playing a little devil's advocate. Does that mean he would just he he racks up a bunch of um, wraparound schedule events that nobody's in? Could be, could be, because um, he has two wins outside of America at least, maybe three. Right. Um, some other notables that I think it helps uh, Brooks Kepka and, and, and DJ for them. I think it from a length standpoint. Them. Right, and you know I think it, it, it is going to play a lot longer in November potentially. Yeah, definitely helps Tiger because he hasn't played. I mean, he didn't play at the players, and so that would have been two months if it was on regular schedule because you know, he played at Genesis Invitational. Um, but yeah, like you said, the weather can just be weird with his back and his neck, and you know, with his knees. But I mean, he's he, he's kind of a wild card as it is now because he's he doesn't play as long as some of these younger guys, but. As we saw last year at the at the Masters, when when his when his irons are on, it, it's it's tough to beat him. So, um, yeah, I guess as far as who else it hurts. I say, look, he's not um, even he's not even maybe a, Spieth. I was about to say he's not even a top fifty player in the world anymore. But it hurts Jordan Spieth because of not necessarily length, but well, I mean, yeah, that's part of it. But also, talking about a guy who is completely out of form. He's got to get back in form and stay in form that 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 long in the, in the second half of a season, and then play a Masters because that's what I was going to ask you. That's my next question: Is what odds do I have to give you for you to take Spieth for a top five at Augusta this year? Uh, man, he's money every year. So his worst finish yeah. at the Masters is T twenty one. Right. Yeah, I was going to say he's never finished worse than that. Um. I mean, maybe maybe he's playing better by then, um, but yeah, it's it's such a weird time of the year, and I don't know if throwing him off schedule like that is going to help or, or going to just kill him. Jordan Spieth but, is twenty six years old, I think. Um, in his career, yeah, is he going to win two or more majors in the rest of his career? I think so. Okay. Eventually, he's got to get over the collapse in Augusta. <laughs> Well, he got over. It. Right? He won the Open the next year. Well, I know, but just just talking Masters in general, like that. Okay. that's got to just absolutely just kill him. It feels just, like the dude should have three green jackets, and he has one. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like people forget that he won one because of the whole collapse. It's like the it's like the Greg Norman thing, where people forget that before Tiger, he was the all time leader in weeks at number one. And because of the collapse in Augusta, everybody's like, oh, man, remember that Australian guy that just 
you know, shit the bed. Like that. That's all people. Just remember a mental midget. Like I mean, great golfer, but mental midget. He he is a fascinating dude. I, I've I've hi, I've I've talked about Nolan up a couple times, but they have a great podcast. Yeah, are, they, are, they just, are, are, are they paying you royalties at this point? What are we doing? <laughs> That'd be nice, but um, yeah, they did a a deep dive on his career, and I had no idea that like just how good he was. I mean, I know about the shark, and I know about the logo, and you know he was he was kind of the the tiger before tiger, where he stepped away and did his own brand. Um, how Tiger stepped away from Nike and is like his own thing now. But, but I mean, Greg Norman was was a beast, and um, he didn't win a ton of majors but i mean he was number one in the world for a long 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 time and then he does a lot of other business ventures on the side that 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 guy's doing all right oh hey look entrepreneur wise or finding a way to make money off your name i'm not sure there's anybody in the world better yeah i mean period he's he's doing just fine and and he's become like this old man instagram celebrity now which is really strange too so it's a lot going on with greg norman he's super jacked yeah um but yeah, that was that was my my question. Just because shifting everything to November is is super interesting to me. Um, but I mean, a guy like DJ or Kepka can just go out there and just shrug their shoulders and you know shoot a sixty seven or something. That'll be fun. Set me up for your baseball thing. What we got going? Yeah, so uh, the call the NCAA College World Series Twitter account asked for. I believe it was, you know, a starting nine to win a game or starting nine in Omaha, something like that. Um, so I'll throw you basically putting you wanna, the best Ole Miss team together that we can. Yeah, so we can so we can do Ole Miss, then we can do national if you want as well. Okay. If you want to hear who I said for national, sure. Wh- which one do you want first? Uh, let's do Ole Miss because I don't know. Well, no, okay. no, no. Get, let's do national, then we'll come back to Ole Miss because I don't know how much time the Ole Miss thing will take. So knock okay. everything out first. So national, uh, I went and I I took about thirty minutes doing some little bit of research, and and I kept it kind of recent, so I'm not gonna be going you know old school you know what the Oklahoma State guy what's his name Pete Incavilia got hit like forty eight bombs in one year Pete in Incavilia yeah yeah so I didn't put him on here but, he was actually so got, the very first name that popped in my head when we started doing this but okay go ahead <laughs> okay. So I got Buster Posey at catcher. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Okay. I got Brendan McKay at first. Sure. Ricky Weeks at second. Ooh. Okay. Chris um, Bryan at third. Ricky Weeks. Stats off the off the hook or what? What do we got for his stats? Uh, I mean, I don't need yeah. them. I'm just kind of curious when you were looking it up. Yeah. I mean, his... Um, yeah, his, his college statistics were insane. He played at Southern... And um, I can pull him up right here. He's, he's actually from Lake Brantley uh, High School, which is where uh, Tate Blackman's from. I need um, r- r- real quick. I'm just kind of thinking out loud while you're doing this. I, I would okay. I would need a utility spot for for Brennan McKay because I'm playing Dustin Ackley at first base. Okay, so I mentioned that when I was I was doing uh, we were discussing this in a big group text, and I mentioned him late. Later on, where I was like, man, a guy that was just totally forgotten was Dustin Ackley. Dustin Ackley played not. three years of college baseball and hit over 400 in all three years, including hitting over 20 home runs as a junior. Yeah, I was going to say, that dude was bonkers. Um, so, Ricky Weeks won the Golden Spikes in 2003. He won the Dick Hauser in 2003. Um, 
So yeah, it, it's for for me, it's him or Chase Utley. Yeah, he batted four seventy nine with sixteen homers, won the batting title, finished it with a career four sixty five batting average, highest in NCAA history. Um, and then yeah, he was selected second overall by the Brewers. Um, as a sophomore in two thousand two, he hit four ninety five with twenty home runs. Jesus. Okay. So yeah. Right. Right. Um so yeah, Chris Bryant, I believe he hit 31 home runs. Yeah, the, I mean I I mean, I mean off the top of my head, third baseman, I would contemplate Pedro, I would contemplate uh, yeah. uh Anthony Rendon. Mm-hmm. Um yep. Pedro Al- Alvarez was was the one that gave me pause. Um Alex Gordon. Ooh, yeah. Played cool. in Nebraska. He actually won the Golden Spikes in 05 over Steven. Did he was he on the team that went to Omaha for Nebraska? Yeah, I think that was 05, if I remember that correctly. Um, and then yeah, he he raked. And then I'll tell you one too that I watched that we we were talking about it off air a minute ago from Arizona State. Brett Wallace would at least kind of be on my list there as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Third's hard. I mean, Chris Bryant. I mean, I I saw some YouTube videos of him just hitting BP when he was at San Diego, and it was just obnoxious. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. Um, shortstop, a little bit of a personal thing here. Khalil Green. I have no problem um, with Khalil Green, sure. <laughs> he was he was like the guy for me that that was why I wore thick eye black and a flat bill hat when I was in high school. Um, his senior year hit 470. He had 27 home runs and 91 RBIs for Clemson. Uh, he was real good. <laughs> That uh, I think that's the answer. Um, off the top of my head, Gordon Beckham. Yeah, Georgia. his stats that year when they went to Omaha were ridiculous. Um, Dustin Pedroia. Mm-hmm. Pedroia, maybe. Okay. Um, okay. Chris, Alex Bregman's got a got a gripe here and there. Okay. Um, Chris Burke. Oh yeah. If you, if you want to go back that far, great on air personality. Yeah. Um, he's really good. Off the top of my head, that's where I'd go for shortstop. Yeah, I mean, I'm, a, I'm, I'm at a little maybe. disadvantage here. I didn't know we were going to play this game four or five minutes ago, but um, it's fine. <laughs> okay. whoa, 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 whoa. That's, that, that's some good names. Okay. Um, and in the outfield, I've did, got George did, Springer. Did we break it up into categories, or are we just doing three outfielders? Uh, I kind of did it, but I mean, just three outfielders. Um, so for just position wise, I've got George Springer in left. Okay. Um, for those who don't know, George Springer was at UConn. I got Jackie Bradley Jr. in center. He's kind of my personal guy for whatever reason. He was he was really really good. Um, I mean, he was on those those national title teams at South Carolina, but I mean, his stats were were legit. I, I, I would include him or Ben Attendee, and I don't know which one. For yeah, one of Ben Attendee was was really really good. Um, Drew Stubbs is another guy. I mean, Ole Miss fans might know him from when he played at Texas. <laughs> Um, Michael Conforto was, was really, really good at Oregon state. I have him in right field. Um, the DH, I have Matt Laporta from Florida. He's, uh, I believe at least top 10 in career home runs in the NCAA. Um, and then pitcher Steven Strasburg. Trying to think. So we're doing, we're not doing like two way guy. We're just doing straight DH. Yeah, that was so. That was the tweet okay. uh, that they put out. They didn't put a utility. Okay, just curious. So there's a lot. I mean, Seth Beer would probably may, maybe be in there. Maybe 
for a DH. Yeah. Um, just DH, you could just put anybody. Preston Tucker, maybe. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't yeah. would, wouldn't rule that out. Um, but yeah, if we're looking at you, you mentioned Brennan McKay, two way guys. It's him. I mean, frankly, it's Steven. Um, it's Danny Holtson at Virginia. Um, yeah. And then because of his stick, what he did at the plate, it's AJ Reed at Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. I think those would be the ones off the top of my head. Yeah. If you're playing at a place that's 305 down the line. It's not even 305. I've walked that thing off. It's like 280. <laughs> it's like the oh, biggest. Man. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, pitchers, you you went Strasburg? Yeah, I mean, he he was just so dominant. He was automatic. He didn't play on good teams, but, I mean, he was just so good. Um. Yeah, I'm okay there. Um, if, if I, I mean, you, you could take your pick with UCLA guys. Trevor Bauer, I mean, obviously he's at the top of the list. Um, oh, Thomas Eshelman, Fullerton. Yeah, a few I, years ago. I actually mentioned him. I mean, he walked three guys that year. Yeah, it three. was. I, I don't have it in front of me. It was like 85 to three strikeout to walk. The Oxford Exxon podcast is brought to you in part by Dead Soxy. If you're already a Dead Soxy customer, first, thank you. Secondly, here's all you have to do to uh, introduce more people to Dead Soxy and get free Dead Soxy stuff of your own. Uh, take your personal referral code from Dead Soxy, send it to your friends and family via email, text, or social. And uh, for every new customer you produce, uh, you'll both get $10. They get $10 in free socks. You get $10 in free socks. You can keep... Uh, earning freebie socks for life because there's no limit on how much you can earn. Just share your link and collect the rewards. People helping people as we all should, especially right now at Dead Soxy. It's deadsoxy.com. We're also brought to you by the Iron Horse Grill. It is located at 320 East Pearl Street. It's uh, the perfect place to enjoy lunch, dinner, or Sunday brunch. And it also uh, specializes in on-site large event catering for up to 250 people and off-site full catering services, especially beverage catering. So if you're planning a birthday party, a graduation celebration, a rehearsal dinner, or a wedding reception, you want to be able to enjoy the moment, and the Iron Horse Grill is your answer. It's a one-stop shop for beverage services for a 250- to 500-person wedding or even a 3,500-person gala. It's one of the largest beverage caterers in Mississippi. It can service the entire state. Call Sarah Black at 601-398-0151 for your catering needs Knock that off your worry list and let the Iron Horse Grill make your event one that is memorable forever. We're also brought to you by Grenada Nissan. If you're in the market for a Nissan vehicle, Grenada Nissan's the place to go. They've got a complete selection of new and previously owned Nissan vehicles. Great lease deals as well. It's GrenadaNissanUSA.com. All you do when you go in and see Gene and Sandy is tell them you heard about Grenada Nissan on our podcast or at RebelGrove.com and you'll get Rebel Savings on top of the already great deals at Grenada Nissan. Uh, we're also brought to you by Nest and Wild. Sleep better with a Nest and Wild mattress. Nest and Wild is a Mississippi-based mattress company making a high-quality mattress delivered right to your door. They make buying a new mattress easy. Every Nest and Wild mattress is one foot thick, giving you comfort and support that will last. A lot of online brands sell an 8-inch or 10-inch mattress with less support and durability, but not Nest and Wild. From the twin to the California king, every Nest and Wild mattress is one foot thick, 100% American-made, and the pricing is competitive when compared to the rest of the mattress companies. And in fact, we'll make it even better because we're going to give you a promo code that I'll tell you about in a bit. It's a no-risk decision. 
Nest and Wild believes in their product so much, they're offering a 99-night trial on every mattress. So try it out. Sleep on it for 99 nights. And if you don't like it, you can return it. Nestandwild.com. Order your mattress. Use the podcast code REBEL20. That's REBEL20. And get 20% off your purchase. And uh, your mattress will arrive at your door in three to five days. Yeah, he yeah he wasn't like a big time strike him out. He didn't have a ton of strikeouts. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure he only walked three dudes in one year. I'll give insane. you I'll give you one more from a little while ago. Um, Jared Weaver, Long Beach State. Oh yeah, on the cover of MVP Baseball 07. He was pitching against. Actually, was pulling it up a second ago because I knew I wanted to mention him. He was pitching against old bats and in a completely different era. So we're looking at 2002 to 2004. I mean, that's that was that wasn't drop fives, but that was that next level where everybody's really hitting a lot of bombs still, and it's a very offensive game. He went with a 196 ERA with 144 strikeouts and 20 walks in that era. He, ugh, he he won the 04. He won the 04 um, Golden Spikes Award. Yeah. So I found the stat. So Eshelman. He struck out 213 one year. Oh, Weaver? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Weaver had that um, kind of wind up where he would turn and really hide the. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like a Kevin Brown where he really hide the. He hid the baseball really well. But like his slider. When he would throw it, it looked like it was starting behind like right-handed hitters because of how he turned his body. But, yeah, he was so good. Um, yeah, Eshelman did not issue a walk in his first 63 and a third innings pitched <laughs> in 2013. And he ended the season with three walks in 115 and two-thirds innings. Just efficient, man. That's, that's some Greg Maddox type shit right there. That's so nuts. Um. Then, yeah, now he pitches for the Orioles. So, good for him. All right. Ole Miss team, feel free to interject or wait till the end to, to give me your take. Um, I'll probably interject as we go. So, are we – Okay. How, how, how are we defining era here? Are we doing everything or are we just trying to keep this within modern era? Uh, I just – Because I look – like, Here's I the deal. I went Bianco. Yeah, I, I don't know – like, I don't know how to factor in Kyle Gordon and Don Kessinger into the list. No offense to those people. I just don't know how to do it. I mean, obviously, Don Kessinger is the best. He's the best. Old, he, he's the he's the best Ole Miss from a statistical standpoint. He's the best player in, in program history. Yeah, he's the best shortstop player. Um, the best, uh, you know, in real estate. If you if you would like to <laughs> sponsor anything in Rebel Grove <laughs> or on Red Cup, uh, if you're listening to this, Don. Um, but yeah, I try. He to keep still holds. Pieces. He still holds the record for best batting average in a season in school history. Um, he still got that. What was that? Four, four ish. I don't. I don't. On top of my head, I don't know. But oh, that'll never be touched. No, no, no. It's, not, it's, it's over here. I, while, while you're talking, I'll look it up. But um, yeah, it's something like that. And then he goes. You know, he's in a, he ends up a six time All Star and a two time Gold Glove winner with the Cubs. He um, also the, the we'll do Don Kessinger trivia hour. He also was the last player manager in the American League before that that stopped being a thing with the White oh, Sox. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll go Bianco only. I, I guess I was trying to. Yeah. I, I had one more thought there. 
I know Jake's number was already retired, and I understand why they did it. I really thought they should have retired Don's number at the same time earlier this year when they did that. I, I I didn't like separating those two guys out when you put one of them up on the on the on the fence and not do the other one at the same time. And look, Don's going to get his number retired, but I, I I would have gone ahead and done it then when they put Jake's number up. Yeah, maybe they do it eventually. Um, those are probably the two that you have to do. Well, it's also the two only two two sport All Americans in Ole Miss sports history. Hmm. Because oh, Jake so he, had baseball so, and so, football, and Don had basketball and baseball. So Archie wasn't one. He was never an All American in baseball. Okay. I I just figured professional athlete probably an All American and the other thing he does. Um. All right. Uh. So my all, all Ole Miss team. I've got Stewart Turner at catcher. Um. Sure. One year. One. Thing. I have no problem with that. He yeah. won. He, he won the Johnny Bench Award. I mean, I could. W- we, we, we could make the. We could make the arguments. <laughs> but I'll. I'll, I'll that, play. That one. That one. That one year was really good. Um, What's funny about it is I'm actually picking him because of his offense. And I mean, a little yeah, bit of a tidbit absolutely. here is when he was getting recruited. I asked several people. I'm like, Hey, what is he? And they're like, Hey, defensive catcher. If he if he hits 210, it's fine. Like he's not going to hit. And he gets here and like first with 400 for most of the year. And it's like, Hey, who the hell is this guy? And it was completely different than what you anticipated coming out from him. I I still think Cooper is the better defensive catcher. Um, mm-hmm. but overall, yeah, we'll 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 take Stewart and ride with it and have no problem doing so. Yeah, I do remember uh, just kind of his recruitment, and a lot of people just raved about his pop time and how he was just this big, bulky guy. And I was like, oh, you know, just kind of a robot back there. He'll be lucky to hit 250. And then, yeah, like you said, just well, I don't know what he finished. I mean, at least, what, three – he was, what, 375 for a long time for most of the year. And then, I, Sorry, I was actually wrong. He's not at the top of the season. Um but you will be uh, interested in this. Actually, I take that back. He is. Uh, he hit 436 in 1964. Oh, Don? Yeah. Okay. He was 58 for 133 in 1964. <laughs> um, Jake Gibbs is second, by the way, on that list, hitting 424 in, uh, in yeah. 1960. Not bad. The only the top modern era guy, if anybody's curious, David DeLucci hit 410 in 1995. Yeah. Don hit 400 for his career. Oh, is that any good? Uh, it's not bad. Yeah, for his <laughs> career. Um, now he only played. He only played 82 games. Let's keep that in mind. Yeah. But um, That's yeah, he hit 400 um for his career. Char- Charlie Connerly hit 399 for his career. Ah, famous uh, professional football player, good at baseball. Yeah, it's a lot like I've told Neil this. It's a lot like now, like I'll play golf with like some former baseball players and stuff, and it's like you know they're good at that too. No shit, you have you you have great hand-eye coordination. Somehow you found a way to hit a golf ball. I'm 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 really surprised by that. Yeah, since we're talking about uh, former baseball players, you know, I I keep in touch uh, with Zach Rutland, who played early to mid two thousands. Just known him forever, being from Memphis and. He uh, plays a lot of golf with Jordan Henry, and he's like, yeah, Jordan's pretty good. And I'm like, oh, yeah, imagine that. Um, all right, so first base, I got Steven Head. I don't think I'm going to get any argument there. <laughs> no, I can't argue there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean it, maybe push him to utility, but we don't have that technically on this team. But, yeah, Steven Head, um, yeah, he – when when – the 05 um, Super 
my dad and I got to every game at that super early just to see Steven Head hit BP. That that season ending, it was the first year, it was the last year before I started covering them. I'm still a student. It was the last time I left a sporting event with my stomach somewhere in the middle of my throat. It was that night. I mean, I, 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 it, it took two weeks to recover. I'll be honest. I mean, it was the perfect setup for, for Ole Miss at that time to get over the hump. You got your best player up at the plate. I mean, you, that was it. You, you do like want to do one of those Mr. Destiny moments and just go, hey, what would have happened if Stephen Head hit the hit, hit, hit a Jay Brent's cock, cock slider over the wall? Yeah. I think I that mean, is, in Ole Miss baseball history, I think if you got a, well, oh, that's a good question, actually. If you got to, if you could do whatever you wanted to with one play or one game, is that the one you change? Or do you give the two, 2014 team a win over Virginia to go 1-0 and in the bracket? Ooh, I mean, you're you're kind of weighing if Stephen Head does that, does it knock the door down to Omaha early and then they just get it going? Well, yeah, it's both those things. I just going, hey, that 05 team, I've got enough confidence in them they were, that they were going to win the national title. If they get past Texas, that, are they winning it? Right, and then that 06 team, yeah, I mean, you, you, you let's say momentum carries, you beat Miami in that super. I mean, that 06 team was still good enough to, to go pretty deep in Omaha, but it's got to be either that or just 09 somehow closing out against Virginia. The 09 team was so good. I do, though, think that Biddle's injury kept them from being the kind of team to win the whole thing. Because if I can change one thing about 09, it's Biddle doesn't get hurt. It's not even the the, the score of a game. I'll, I'll take my chances with a healthy Scott Biddle. It's, it, it, Biddle oh, getting yeah. hurt, I think, caused them to be an arm short from a national title standpoint. But just the the rotation from that 09 team, at, and then they hit so well. I mean, that, that was a, a team that uh, Logan Power was on that team. And, you know, I think you and I have talked about this. He, he's forgotten. He's, what, the all-time RBIs leader? Uh, tied with Matt Smith. Okay. So, I mean, you had both of those dudes on that team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, um, they, they were actually tied at the top of the list. Yeah. So, I mean, an offense that was built for Omaha to really hit – gap to gap and you had Pomerantz, you had Philip Irwin, you had Nathan Baker when his head was screwed on right. He was pretty tough to beat and Jake Morgan was really um, good at the back end. Yeah. I it's that's a that's a really tough question. because um, yeah, do you do you try to get there early? Cause, yeah, I, I that, mean, that's that what was, I do. I, I change O five because I do think doing that changes the mood of everything. Um not saying Evan Button's not going to throw a ball in the dirt or whatever, but I do just think from an atmosphere standpoint, everything changes with that night changes. You might still lose to Miami, but when you lose to Miami, it's, hey, we went last year, it's all good. And even on seven, in 07, Arizona State was just a better baseball team. So that's cool, too. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, But it did. It, it, it altered everything. So I would, I would choose that, but I would be really curious about 2014 because I do think Ole Miss or Virginia were going to win – we're going to win that side of the bracket, and whoever went one and zero was going to do it. So I think Ole Miss plays Vanderbilt for the national title if they beat Virginia that night. I've I've asked this question to several of my my buddies plenty of times, and now this this could be a little bit of bias here, just being a alum and a and a fan. Does does anyone have worse luck when it comes to super regional pairings than Ole Miss? 
Yeah, I mean... Okay, okay, let's, let's look through it. 05 was unlucky, but they were a national seed. Texas Texas was underseeded is why they were unlucky. What's interesting about that, though, is Arkansas won the first game against Texas in that regional as far as a two-out-of-three standpoint, them playing three times. Texas had to come back to the loser's bracket. They were really good. They got hot. But I think when you look back, I mean, I'm not saying they weren't a good baseball team, I think Ole Miss caught the wrong buzzsaw at the wrong wrong time. While that was a while that was a weird matchup, I don't necessarily think Texas was this. Oh my God! Why were they not the number three overall seed in the tournament? And how could they be playing Ole Miss? If that makes sense, I thought that was a timing issue as much as anything. And then I thought it's one of those deals where hey, they came all the way back through. I mean, when we're changing things, Arkansas just finds a way to beat them one more time, and Ole Miss is walking to Omaha because they had dominated the Razorbacks in the regular season. Yeah. Well, I guess. Maybe call it hindsight, but that Texas team wins it all. And yeah, like you said, they they catch fire and and win a game three in Oxford, and then go to Omaha, and the rest is history. But they went sixteen and ten in the Big Twelve that year. Yeah, so not not a great good. season team. Really good. I mean, yeah. no, no problems. I mean, they only lost sixteen times. I mean, which means they lost two yeah. times in the postseason. So that means they only lost four non-conference games all year in the regular season. The crazy thing is 16 and 10 in the Big 12, which is, you know, eh, it's okay. Um, but they went 56 and 16 overall. Yeah. So they, they won a ton of games. Um, I think 06 is, a, is, is worse. I mean, that Miami team was absolutely loaded. I'm I'm playing uh, devil's advocate because you're right. So let me put that up from the stars disclaimer. You're you're completely right that they've been unlucky a number of times. I'm playing devil's advocate because otherwise we wouldn't have much of a podcast and it wouldn't be worth the well, argument. Sure. That 06 Miami team was incredibly young. We yeah, see I'm all those say, names, but they were all freshmen. Loaded but young, yeah, yeah. That 08 team is that was the number one overall seed that Ole Miss saw two years later. That was the the juggernaut. Even though I don't think mm-hmm. that team got to Omaha, that team might have lost to Arizona in the Super. Now when I think about it, but maybe they won. I don't remember. But either way, um, the 06 team was flawed and beatable because they were so young. But it was a really young Ole Miss team, and we're talking about pitching at that point. That was Brett Buckvich. He was a freshman. That was Lance Lynn. He was a freshman, and that was Will Klein in his first year as kind of a starter and a main guy when he kind of found himself. So that was two young-ish teams that were reloading, trying to find some way to find some stru- traction for the next couple of years. And Miami just won. I mean, they, they exposed Ole Miss's young pitching throughout that series. But, yeah, look, the, you could have had easier easier draws. But my point being what you're about to make is in 06 and 09, neither one of those opponents were number one seeds. Ole Miss right. got lucky both times and hosted without being a national seed because whoever they ended up playing beat the host. Because in 2006 – Miami went to Lincoln, Nebraska, and beat Nebraska with Jabba Chamberlain. And then uh, in 09, they were in that regional of death. It was at Irvine. For, it was Irvine, Virginia, and San Diego State. So Virginia beat Strasburg and then beat Irvine and got out, and that's what led to them coming to Oxford. So that that is my argument against that. Is you're, you're not wrong, per se, but Ole Miss got pretty lucky on hosting uh, Super Regionals. They, they played a lot of two-seeds. I mean, it, it's... It's a little bit of hindsight to go, oh my God, they just couldn't couldn't catch a break anywhere in this thing. Oh nine was definitely the most winnable, in my opinion. It's that also it, a that, Virginia that, team that has as much scar tissue at Ole Miss. They couldn't freaking get there. Yeah. And that I mean, you had arguably we, we just talked about Don Kessinger and, and Jake Gibbs, but Drew Pomerantz has 
has an argument for being one of the best players ever in program history. You have him on the bump. You have one of your better offenses ever. I would have held him. This is hindsight. In the moment, I don't know that I said this. I would have held Drew for game three in 09 um, for two reasons. He always is going to step up no matter what. You give him an extra day of rest after throwing two games in a regional, throwing 105 pitches against Monmouth and then throwing 116 pitches against Western Kentucky. And it also would allow Nathan Baker to throw game two. And Nathan did have some issues mentally, kind of overcoming some some pressure throughout his career. I think allowing him to throw game two would have really helped him. Would have made him a little different guy, and you would have you you would have helped both pitchers by by swapping them around and throwing Drew in the if necessary game. I think it eases anybody's pain to know, hey, it's okay if you lose this game because we got Drew throwing the next one. Um, if that's going to help anybody, it's going to help Nathan Baker. Um, yeah, the the '09 one was easily the most winnable. '07, it doesn't get a lot of fanfare because it was a sweep. But that Arizona State team was so loaded. Uh, that was the team that won 48 games. They won 19 in the Pac-12. I think they were um, the number three overall seed, if I have that right in my head. But I haven't looked it up. Uh, I'm scrolling here. They were the fifth overall fifth, seed. Okay. Um, Bandy was number one overall. Rice was two. North Carolina three. Texas four. And now that's also an Ole Miss team that went 16-14 and 14 in the SEC. So... You, you, you get who you get at that point. Yeah, and that was one of the um, more loaded Arizona State teams. Oh, they were um, great. That was Mike Leak. That was uh, Eric Sogard. That was Kyle Rowling. That was Petey Paramore. Um, was it uh, Ike Davis? Yes, he was on that team. Brett, you mentioned Brett Wallace. Brett Wallace Andrew uh, Romine. I mean, that their, their starting rotation was Josh Sato, who went 13-3. and three. Brian Flores eleven and one, and then Mike Leake thirteen and one. Just, just stupid. Um, they hit three fifty as a team. Just, uh, just, just, just crazy. So, um, but anyway, good, good, good memory lane. Talking about uh, almost baseball. Yeah, I just always thought that the that back to back of oh five oh six with that Texas team and that Miami team just two chances to knock the door down and get into it. Well, and look, from a tradition standpoint, it is kind of funny. You you finally get into super regional play, and the first three times you do it, you face Texas, Miami, and Arizona State from a from a, from a Mount Rushmore <laughs> college baseball standpoint. I mean, yeah. all they were lacking at that point was USC to really complete the the, 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 the quad factor. Yeah. yeah, you know, just get the, the Gene Stevenson zombie out and get Wichita State out there. Um, back when his teams were winning like 68, 70 games. Um all right, so so back to the team. So we left off at Stephen Head, first base. So second base, I got Alex Yarbrough. I don't think I'm going to get any argument there. You're not going to get any argument. Uh, Yarbrough put together one of the better seasons I've ever seen as maybe a sophomore. He switch hitter. I think he hit 350 from one side and 351 from the other, if I have that right. Mm. Um, yeah, I have no, I have no issue there whatsoever. He's probably the best hitter I've seen in my life. The best I mean, Ole Miss pure overall. hitter? Yeah, yeah. Mm, depends how we rate it. Um, I, know that, I know that's high praise. Yeah, I, I don't know that I would go that far, um, but he's by far the best second baseman. Um, there's no doubt about oh, that. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. Um, who's even in that list? I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, mm. I guess, well, 
trying to think. Because I mean, even going back a few years, I mean, he's better than I mean, he 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 he's better than Justin Henry or Cooper Osteen or some of those guys. Yeah, Cooper Osteen came to mind. Justin Henry hit really well. Um, but if we're talking, I, I, I want Justin on my team, no doubt. But I can't put him in this spot. Yeah, if he he would be an outfield spot, not second. Um, just because I thought Alex was was a complete player defensively as well. Um, he he was kind of one of those true big league body type infielders that Mike Bianco recruited, mm-hmm. kind of like Cozart. Um, so kind of good segue there into big league body type guys at third, Chris Coughlin. Yeah, there's no, there's no, 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 no question. I mean, sure. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's the guy there. Um, shortstops at Cozart. It's Cozart or gray. You can take your pick. Yeah. Um, in one season, gray had probably the better season than Zach ever had. <laughs> So it's a little bit where what are we doing? Are we picking our you know the 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 number one season from one guy? Are we picking total careers because obviously Zach transitioned better than Gray did when Gray had that tough freshman season. Um, I'm picking Zach, but I would have I would I would be fine either way. It's between those two. Yeah, I might, I might be a little biased. Just a full disclosure: played against Zach in high school and seeing him for um, two or three years just make everything look effortless and easy maybe helps him here but he he also had that just phenomenal first season they were both really good defensively is why i'm going there i will throw you one chad sturbins um 2002 i think if i have that right maybe 2001 he would have been the first guy in sec history to hit safely in all 30 sec games he gets a hit in the first 29 he's in starkville on the season on in the season finale and um, gets a hit, and State's uh, scorekeeper calls it an error to keep him from going 30 for 30. Oh, you don't say. Yeah. Huh. Fun fact for the day. Imagine, imagine that. Um, yeah, I mean, Zach's freshman year, nine home runs, 43 RBIs as a true freshman while playing shortstop. Is... Did, here, trivia question for you. He didn't start opening day. Who started opening day? Zach started oh. from there on. The Oxford Exxon Podcast is also brought to you by Pinnacle Trust. Pinnacle Trust, based in Madison, Mississippi. They've got clients in more than 20 states, advisors in multiple states as well. Founded in 1997, Pinnacle Trust provides detailed, specialized investment management, financial planning, retirement planning for individuals and businesses, and much more. At Pinnacle Trust, investing is treated like a commodity. Decisions are made using objective information and research, not emotions. So regardless of your level of wealth, Pinnacle Trust will sit down with you, listen to your goals, Study your expenses and put forth a comprehensive, detailed financial and retirement plan built just for you. It's pintrust.com, P-I-N-N trust.com. Mention you heard about Pinnacle Trust on the podcast. You get 10% off your first year's fees. We're also brought to you by John Edwards of Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. When this is all over, everyone is going to want to get away. They're going to want to get out of town, get out of their homes. They're going to want to go on a vacation And you want to book one that will create a lifetime of unique memories. And that's where John comes in. He's part of Virtuoso. It's a worldwide network of travel partners that allows John to supply his clients with added values and unique benefits that are simply not available to other travelers. All you do is you give him a call, you give him an email, and uh, you give him some parameters, you give him a budget, and uh, he'll give you options. You don't have to live in or near Memphis to take advantage of his services. And uh, he's great at what he does. He'll take great care of you. 901-494-3387. Or send him an email at jedwards at regencytravel.net. 
first-time clients can save $50 off their first booked trip just by telling John you heard about Regency Travel on the podcast. We're also brought to you by Oxford University Bank, OUB, locally owned and operated right here in Oxford. When you deposit money at OUB, that money and the vast majority of the bank's profits go right back into the Oxford community. OUB gives you the comfort of home, all the benefits the big mega banks provide, all the technology and products you can want, all with a personal touch. OUB offers its customers the absolute best cash checking account. It's called Casasa. And with Casasa, OUB will pay customers 2.5% interest on their balances up to $50,000 and refund ATM fees nationwide. They also have a commercial checking account now paying 1% interest. As long as you keep $10,000 in the account, it comes with fully interactive online banking. To learn more, go to liveoxfordbankoxford.com or call 662-234-6668. OUB is FDIC insured. And we're brought to you by Bluff City Advisory Group. They're dedicated to building the future you desire. Founded in Memphis in 2019, their team is comprised of established and seasoned financial experts who came together to serve individuals and families of their beloved hometown. The firm is built on decades of wealth management experience, and they've seen it all. Their financial advisors have a reputation for professional excellence, and their clients rely on their high level of confidence and integrity. So whether you need guidance on developing a financial plan, creating a customized executive benefits program for your business, or preparing a detailed asset allocation analysis, Bluff City Advisory will provide forward-thinking and cost-effective investment strategies customized to uniquely fit each client. 901-365-3447 or email ben, that's B-E-N, at bluffcityadvisory.com. And we're brought to you by Whitney McNutt of Tommy Morgan Incorporated Realtors, serving you for all your real estate needs in Oxford and Tupelo. Whitney sells condos, land, commercial, and residential family homes, 662-567-2573 or 662-842-3844. Good Lord. <laughs> 2005. So I wasn't even in college at that point. Oh, gosh. Do I get a hint? Um, okay, how do I give you a hint? I don't. I, I wish I knew where he was from. Um, I would that, that would help you a little bit because for some reason, maybe I'm wrong. Because like for some reason, I thought he was actually from somewhere similar to uh, to, to, to Cozart. Now I'm not sure. Did I have, I'm, I'm trying to make sure I have the name right because now I'm a little I'm a little concerned. I'm going to be wrong, but I think I uh, I think I have it. Let's see. I know it's bad pod, but just everybody chill out. Wait, wait. So you're saying he is from where Cozart's from? No, he's not. I thought he might have been, but maybe he's not. Okay. I don't know. I'm I'm in my head a little bit about that. Um, while you're thinking, I'm looking up to make sure I have the name right, even though I'm 99.9 percent sure that I that that, that I do. <laughs> I was gonna say, was it Ryan Porter? But no, it was Ryan Porter. It was. Yes. Oh, played against him too. That's what I th- he is from Memphis, right? But, yeah, he went to Houston. Phenomenal high school player. Oh, really? Yeah, just never, never clicked in college. Yeah, he was, um, yeah, he was on the same Houston team as Stuart Pomerantz, who's Drew's brother. Um, yeah, if you think Drew was good in college, uh, his brother was a cheat code in high school. It was stupid. Yeah, I'm looking at it here. Um, yeah, Ryan Porter. He ended up starting six games um, in 2005, but I'm 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 fairly certain that yeah, he started opening day. And then Zach took over wow. from there. Okay. Yeah. I mean, his, you know, sophomore year, 10 home runs, 64 ribbies, 338 average. 
as a saw as a freshman, Zach started sixty two of sixty seven games. Okay. Well. Yeah. So go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, Zach's Gray is right there though. Um, I, I will. And, and Gray was a guy who not only got better offensively, I think he looked better and better defensively. Um, fielding, arm, everything as he got older. Um, I so my outfield and. Probably going to get some pushback here, but that's fine. I've got Thomas Dillard, J.B. Woodman, and Jordan Henry. And you can kind of um, go Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, no offense. I like all these guys. I covered them all, but, yeah, no. Um, Seth Smith. He hit 402 as a freshman. Um, yeah. Seth's out there. From a strictly number standpoint, I've got to at least throw Brian Petway into the conversation. So I've got him as DH. Um, Bousfield's got to be in there um, for me. Won the Ferris Award, All-American. Um, maybe the best center fielder defensively of anybody that's played for Mike, and that's saying something. When you when you think about range and arm. Uh, I have no problem with Woodman at all. JB's last year was was pretty impressive. I think I would go Bousfield, Seth, and and Woodman off the top of my head. Again, if I'm forgetting somebody and if somebody's throwing popcorn at me, okay. But off the top of my head, my, I think that's what I would do. My one thing with with Seth Smith is the 402 freshman year, but he had 333 after that, and then 284 after that, and he has the old bats. And yeah, that's true. Um, no, but that, that, that's a, that's an argument for you. Is my point is he's has right. the old bats and he's not putting up bigger numbers than he is. My thing with I threw Dillard in there because I feel like he gives you a ton of versatility with your lineup to where he can be a leadoff guy, he can be a middle of the order, he can be a nine nine hole guy. Just because by the time he left Ole Miss with his discipline at the plate and being able to work counts and and I mean the, just the, the walk him, percentage is incredibly impressive. Yeah, that's that's what I think made him so enticing to scouts was just that discipline at the plate. Sure. Um, so maybe that's a little recency bias there. No, I have, I, I have no problem with, with, with frankly, yeah. the, the only one that I really feel like should be moved, again, just strictly discussing this, is probably Jordan. Yeah, he, and again, it's kind of one of those, you know, what's your strategy on building a lineup type question. Um his ability to get on base, and then if he gets a single, it's essentially an automatic double because of how good he was at stealing bases. Um, what did he have, 34 in one year? Which I is no idea off the top of my head. I think it was 34, which is pretty much unheard of these days. I mean, the the game has really changed, and you know, you only have a... 38. 38, okay, yeah, that's pretty pretty nuts. Um, here's, here, here's some numbers for you. In 2007... Jordan and Justin on the same team in the same lineup. In Ole Miss's uh, school history, in hits, they tied for third all-time in the same season. Oh. They each had 99 hits in 2007. Jordan won SEC Freshman of the Year. That's just but the reason that I like Brian Petway out there, 2005, he has the school record with 102 hits in, uh, in 2005. Mm-hmm. He also uh, in 2005 hit 21 home runs. So you got 20, you got 21 home runs and 102 hits from one spot. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's just for me. It's 
So if I, I play I Bousfield, him, I don't have I, have I don't have to worry about moving around. I can put him in center, and then I can still put two 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 bats in the corners. Yeah, and Woodman is a center fielder playing playing right or left. Yeah, and he's got the arm to play right. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. He had a ton of outfield assists um, during his time, but yeah, I got I got Petway at DH. Okay, and then pit and then pitcher as you might have guessed, Drew Pomerantz. Okay. Uh, yeah, Drew's one. There's no doubt about that. If I'm building a rotation, just for the fun of it, um, Bobby Wall mm-hmm. and. If I'm picking just one year, I, I I know there's so many different ways to do this, and this is not necessarily hey he's yeah one of the top three arms to come through there. But I'm pitching Christian Trent on Sundays. I just am Christian Trent. Christian Trent on Sundays is pretty 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 nasty. Well, and just mentally, just just I mean, in the best way possible, just an asshole out there. Yeah, no, that's a, that's my guys. Well. What was the quote that he told Lafferty in that? In that I, game I don't know that, word for word, but yeah, it was in it was in Lafayette when everybody was freaking out or whatever, and it, they were at dinner, I think. And uh, he uh, he walked by Lafferty and just goes, "Hey, laugh, don't worry about it, I got this," and just tapped his left shoulder and walked by. And uh, then and, and oh that was it. yeah, it was it was something like uh, he like he did something to point to his shoulders. Yeah. And he was like, "Hey, laugh! You see this?" And yeah. He was like, "Yeah." And he was like, "I got the whole team on here." Yeah, yeah, or yeah. Something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, if I'm building a, an he went undefeated thing. in the regular season in 2014, and then he wins his game in the regional. He wins a must-win game in Lafayette in a pretty tough environment that doesn't get enough credit, and then also outduels Texas Tech to win the first mm-hmm. game in the, the the first win in the College World Series. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, Chris Ellis was the ace. He was undefeated too. Um, that's what I was going to say. It's, it's, it's crazy that he gets so much hype on that team and for good reason, but Chris Ellis was damn good as well. I mean, I, I, I just did a rotation and didn't mention Lance Lynn, even in the running, which yeah. is, which is kind of confusing me a little bit as I talk, but well, I, that's hard. I mean, you've got, um, wait, I mean, Mark Holloman doesn't even get mentioned. Yeah. And that dude. Just the epitome of eating innings. I mean, I, we, what was the stat? I think every pitcher in the now canceled 2020 season, every starter for Ole Miss went five innings or more every start yeah, in that's the correct. 17 games. I, I believe Mark Holloman went at least seven innings in every start he ever did at Ole Miss. At least it seems like that. Like he just, it didn't matter what the game was doing. He was there in the seventh inning, eighth inning, like no matter what. Like he just was just a bulldog out there. Uh, Will Klein was a guy didn't put up a ton of good numbers, but I mean he was just a, a gamer. We didn't mention um, Mike Myers, who frankly he and Wall, Bobby and Mike don't get enough credit in these things because they didn't play on a good team. They were mm-hmm. they were they were in that dark ages of Ole Miss baseball a little bit in eleven, twelve, and thirteen because the eleven team when they're freshmen. They don't end, you know. They end up not even making the postseason in twelve. They're known as the team that goes two and zero in the regional and then loses to yeah. to, to, to TCU twice. And then in thirteen, they go to Raleigh and don't even play the host team. They end up losing to William and Mary twice. Ugh. So they're Tried. yeah, they're not quite getting they, they they get underrated. But I want Bobby on my on my on the mound for me. Yeah, he um. 
pretty sure he also went undefeated the regular season. Maybe two years in a row. So he was, let's see, at Ole Miss. I'm looking at. Oh my God. Yeah, so junior year, he finished 10 and 0, 203 ERA, which is pretty damn good in that. Wow. Okay. 2013. Um, 10 and 0 and uh, 10 and 0 and 13. Yeah. He so that was his junior year. Yeah, he was damn good. Um, I can't think of anybody else that I would put up there as as a rotational guy. I mean, that's a pretty strong group right there with Lance Lynn, Myers, Wall, Trent, um, Holloman. Biddle's uh, my closer. Yeah, Biddle. Um. So closer is always like the the hot button. Um, so who who would be your I guess middle to set middle relief to set up guy? Mm-hmm. Am I picking? And I know you're going to do whatever I want. Do I have to pick a middle reliever setup guy, or do I pick another closer? Uh, you could do either or. I feel like there's been a uh, like just a ton of good middle to late relief arms at Ole Miss, and I'm just interested to see who you would pick. Off the top of my head, I'm leaning Aaron Greenwood for some reason. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, that's where I'm kind of leaning, just off the top of my head. When he was on, he you weren't touching him, and he was he had the right mindset that he was the way he came after guys. Though I will tell you, Jake Morgan would be very high on the list. Yeah, in '09, he was just nails. Yeah, he yeah that. See that was you mentioned that earlier with that 09 team. He was he was so good on the back end. Um, White Short was another guy that just was so so tough. Yeah, that's fine. I have no um, problem with that. I, I don't that that guy kept everything. I mean, it was shin guards or, or down. Like it was he was so good at keeping the ball down and 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 you know it was either strikeouts or ground balls for me. And um, yeah, that's. I mean that that one year, twenty fourteen, Laxer was really good. Um, he he gets a lot of credit just from with the emergence of the season and, and just video content. But Scott Weathersby was really really tough. Um, not as overpowering as some of the other guys, but he was up there for me. Uh, yeah, I'd probably go Greenwood. But okay, so another closer, who would you go? Well, I've already got Steven on my team. So you've got him if you need him. Yeah, I'm just trying to think a little bit. Um, am I forgetting somebody on these last two or three teams? That um, just, just slipped my mind a little bit. I mean, you could go crazy. At his best, I have no problem with it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't mean that as a slap either. That's not really my point. Just... But yeah, I mean, I I, I I I want him on the team because I especially think if you when when he's fresh, and there later in his career he did get a little better slider. There was an off speed there. I, yeah, I'm 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 good with that. Uh, there's not so another. Through. There's not another. Just oh my god, that's the name that you're forgetting. I mean, maybe Dallas Wolfolk. I'd rather have Crazy than Wolfolk. Okay. Um. I'll throw one out there. Hmm. 
Well, I was going to, and now I just completely lost his name. Um, <laughs> holy shit. What is my mind? Only have one, I only had one thing of bourbon here. I'm not, not that drunk. Um, golly, who was I going to say? What were they playing? Because <sighs> I'm not going to. I'm not going to take Garrett White. Huh? I'm not like going to take Garrett White. No, and you're not taking Satterwhite. No. Oh my God! Who? I mean, obviously Huber is a guy we haven't named, and he is. I mean, stats wise, yeah. he's way up there. Yeah. Um, oh my God. I I don't know. I'm lo- I'm okay. losing my mind. I <laughs> I don't know who I was gonna say. This is this is a bad pod. Um, I just completely lost my mind there. Um, I mean, people that were down. very integral to their teams that I wouldn't pick, but that at least you would have on the list when you started trying to break it down would be R.J. Hively and Scott Weathersby. Yeah, R.J. Hively is a guy. Yeah, he doesn't get a lot of credit. Um, yeah, that's a name that... He was the third pitcher on that 2012 team when Mike tried to win a regional with three guys. It was Bobby and Mike and, and R.J. I tell you, too, from a straight offensive standpoint, Stuart Turner is our answer, but another name that goes un, uh, un, kind of unseen is Lartigue that one season. Oh, yeah. Lartigue in 2016... Um, he hit 353. He he led Ole Miss oh. as, as a catcher, um, hitting 353 and had about a 900 OPS. Yeah, he. I was gonna say he was. Um, he was a guy that basically hit 360 or better almost the entire year, which is just in that day and age is is pretty wild. Um, yeah, I, I don't know who I was gonna say. I'm losing my damn mind. Um, it was going to be somebody off the wall that you might have laughed at, but um, maybe it was going to make sense. God, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with it, but yeah. Zach can fill us in uh, on the message board at some point if he uh, if he thinks of it. Yeah. Um, when we're doing starting pitchers, this was never going to make our list, but two guys from Mike's early uh, early years that we don't ever talk about at all: Pete Montrines and uh, T.J. Beam. Um, from from back in the day when Mike was just getting uh getting going, I mean, Montreal's is probably one of the the reason Mike did so well in year one and kind of catapulted that thing as it uh as it was taken off the ground. But, yeah, um, I know I know TJ Bean. Yeah, I know that name. Um, but yeah, I can I cannot think of who I was gonna say. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah. So, uh, a lot of baseball, a little golf for you uh, on today's show as well. Again, you'll be hearing this on Monday morning. Uh, Neil and myself will be in the studio Monday afternoon. Again, we're going to talk to Taylor Zarzer, um, radio, TV, football, golf there with uh, with Taylor. Used to be Neil's co-host on the uh, airwaves. So, we'll do that. We'll tell you what's coming up later in the week as well. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. So, appreciate it. And we'll talk to you then.